This is a Capricorn FM podcast. The Auditor General Zakan Maluleke said a lack of dedicated political leadership was one of the root causes of poor local government audit outcomes. And one of the issues that she adds that um, the Auditor General advice is perhaps being heeded by some municipalities and provinces, uh, but there was still room for improvement in dealing with audit outcomes. So let's look at this. She was briefing the Standing Committee on the Auditor General about local government audit outcomes for 2021-2022, as well as the status of the material irregularities. We've got the head of provincial audit from the Auditor General, that is Mabato Siddiqela. Good evening and welcome. Good evening. Just to start with at least the highlights from the outcomes of the 2021-2022 local government audit outcomes. What are some of the highlights there? Thank you so much for having me on your platform. So the highlight is a story that says local government continues to be plagued by dysfunction and there's been a deterioration in the results couched by the deterioration in the number of clean audits. We had clean audits dropping from 31 to 38. Is a big metropolitan municipality, the city of Tswane, that regressed to an adverse, which is an undesirable outcome, almost close to a disclaimer. But we are encouraged by the improvements in the number of disclaimers having reduced. So with this deterioration, there needs to be a stemming of the uh, downward trajectory that local government is on. But we're encouraged by the ownership that government has taken, particularly the ownership taken by provincial government. We encourage the local um, leaders to get closer to the results if they're going to turn around this picture. And and if we go to provinces and, and break it down, how has the different provinces performed? Eastern Cape and KZN are the provinces that have fared the best. They had the most notable improvements. They've had years of discipline and good internal controls that have stood them in good stead. Uh, KZN in particular, we're encouraging them to say, having had uh, the results that are sitting in unqualified, the yellow zone, you know, we tend to use the green, yellow, mm. and the purple, and the red to depict. Uh, KZN should uh, translate that effort into green, uh, more green orders. The provinces that have stagnated in my hometown, Limpopo, it has been one with, even in the prior year, we've cautioned that Limpopo has placed a lot of over-reliance on consultants and they need to get themselves over that reliance, break down the, the uh, institutional controls and turn around the picture. Bumalanga has also stagnated. That's a province where we have not seen the requisite amount of ownership compared to the other provinces. Free State and Northwest is where typically they dominate with the most... Um, Sorry, Northwest in particular, mm. there's a dominance of um, of the same audit opinions. Mm. And so both those provinces have not enjoyed a clean audit in many years. They still haven't had clean audit, but there's a good showing on the improvements of the uh, of the results there, driven by the coordinating institutions, primarily the COGTA there and the treasuries. They've worked very well, and they, there's encouraging trends that are, are promising there. Mm. Um, what we've seen in Free State is the one province where they typically do not submit financial statements for many years. They had multiple years of our, uh, financial statements outstanding. We used our material uh, irregularity uh, notification process 
to get them to submit the, the financial statement. So they've been jolted into action. Um, Western Cape remains a, a province that has dominated in terms of the clean orders. Mm. 21 of the 38 orders are featured in Western Cape. They've got good controls, but they went backwards uh, in terms of the overall outcomes. Mm. And when they went backwards, this was in the area of non-compliance with laws and regulations, showing that if you don't put in the right disciplines, you can regress. Then Gauteng, uh, being the, the last province that I want to, I think I've almost done eight out of nine, yeah. Gauteng also went backwards. It, it regressed. I mentioned that the city of Tuane, the size of the metropolitan municipality, the access to the resources they enjoy, they should really not have uh, the type of outcomes that they have. Um, they, too, they too have gone backwards, but we encouraged by the tone of the Premier to turn around um, the concept of going back to clean governance. I forgot one more province, sorry, Northern Cape. Northern, Northern yeah. Cape is also... Northern Cape is also one where there's pockets of moves in the right direction. Their clean audits are typically more in the zone of um, district rather than local municipalities. And would encourage that those districts replicate those good behavior, translate it into the locals because that's where the actual service delivery happens. So the collaboration again of uh, Treasuries and COCTA and the, the tone that the Premier is setting gives us a sense of hope that the different provinces can move into the right direction if they heed our call. When you look at um, these provinces, when you talk about ownership, what are you talking about there? Last year was a transition year. The new council stepped in given the local government elections and the leaders set the tone for um, um, leading the environment guiding the administration, exercising oversight for performance on financial management, for performance in terms of service delivery and supervising the way uh, procurement happens in terms of compliance with laws and regulations. Now, the new administration, it's their first year, but they were not in there for the entire year. They inherited a situation from the previous administration where local government had really gone backwards. So they haven't had a chance to uh, have a full year in the administration and have the requisite impact to turn around the status quo. And so when I say ownership is that last year we coined what we call the accountability ecosystem, which defines every single role player in government that one way or another either legislatively has a role or morally has a role, like the citizens. When we finished the outcomes last year, we said everybody has a role to play to turn around local government. But noting that there was a transition year, we said those that remain, the premiers, the MECs of local government, the MECs of finances in the provinces, ought to get closer to the administration to help with their support, either intervene where there is no improvement, collaborate where there is a willingness, so that they can turn around the status quo. And that's the ownership that was taken by them. We encourage that even the new councils have taken ownership of their environment because the municipalities, those elected officials, is the first line of defense in doing what they were elected to do. So we want them to be the ones who are taking accountability for running the uh, municipalities, for running it in a manner that the funds can be accounted for, as well as delivering the services to the communities as promised. And you said, is it Mpumalanga that generally also has issues around uh, ownership? Mpumalanga, when I say the ownership, is the ownership in comparison to all the provinces. Mm. When, when we finished uh, preparing all our results, 
our audit reports would have been shared with the uh, accounting officers or those who are running the environment. We then also take along, as I mentioned, the, the premier, the speakers of legislatures, the MECs uh, of finance and the MECs of COCTA because they have legislative responsibilities. We've seen very encouraging ownership and collaboration in the other provinces. Not the requisite level of energy and ownership at Mpumalanga. And it is a province that for many years has stagnated. It's one that even for many years has been uh, struggling to give us financial statements of the right level of credibility. So they need a sense of urgency if they are going to turn around the experience of the communities that live there and if they're going to show up better to stem the tide of deterioration that is faced by that province. And, and in Pumalanga, how many clean audits are there? The clean audits that are there, um, my apologies, my no, no, that's, that's, technology that's okay. just um, went down. I will, I will come back to you on that one. Yeah, b- because I'm looking at something here, I just wanted to make sure it's the same as yours. I see two in Pumalanga, which is uh, it's Nkangala uh, and Entlazeni. I wonder if, because this reads... It's two, yes. Okay. It's it two in Pumalanga. Okay, because yes. this reads sustained clean audit status and a number of yeah. years okay so that's that's just two there in pumalang and in limpopo yeah. should your technology pick up there if it doesn't i'll contribute i, I see one covered, yeah. oh, yeah. okay i see one water bag is that the case is that only water bag in limpopo, oh, limpopo has two okay Keen, eastern cape has three mm-hmm. free state none housing has two kz has four which i said has 37 that has potential to move higher, mm. uh, seeing as year and year they show improvement. And then Mpumalanga, we spoke about that too. Northern Cape has the four, which I said is predominantly this um, district, mm. and then 21 in, in, in Western Cape. Okay, okay. So this is so what I was looking at there, that table speaks about the ones that have, have, have sustained. When you look at, say, Mpumalanga and, and, and Limpopo, what are the issues that causes the sustained one that ones are two, but of course there are, there are three. Uh, and I'll ask to to mention if we can we we can have that data as well to mention the one the one that have, have done well. But what contributes to this performance? Um, what has contributed to to the sustaining of these um, performance results? And I don't want to take away because achieving a clean audit is important, mm. and um, keeping it is even harder work. Mm. But when we spoke about Limpopo, as I alluded to a little bit earlier, even last year, Limpopo's results are not through the creation of daily disciplines, proper record keeping, and internal controls that get them to get the good results. Those internal controls in the institutions are really supported by an over-reliance on the audit process, but more so on the consultants. They, if you remove the support that comes from the consultants, I'm not sure we'd be able to see the sustaining of the results as as, as they have been maintained. Mm. We have then cautioned uh, Limpopo and, and Pumalanga and other provinces on, you can use consultants, but do not use consultants at the expense of investing in creating institutions that have got the right type of controls, that have got the daily disciplines to deal with financial management, to deal with performance reporting and to deal with laws and regulations compliance in a good manner. So the internal controls are there, but there is regressions in certain instances. You'll see Limpopo had four regressions and Pomalanga had three regressions, even though they've maintained those two because their controls are not 
um, well-maintained, sustainable and preventative, but they are couched by some support that stems from the consultants. Mm, there's been a regression. Maybe I, I, I just stay on, on, on Limpopo just a little bit longer because, as you say, the issue of over-reliance on uh, consultants has been raised before. But I see in your statement you also speak about effective use of consultants. What would be an effective way of using them? So we know that one of the areas we've highlighted is that there's a shortage of skills mm. in, in, um, in government, as particularly in local government. We've attributed one of the root causes to the regressions in the, the deterioration we've seen in local government to a shortage of skills. In the different provinces, when we've looked at the reasons for using consultants, 53% of the instances is cited as lack of skills. But our concern is that sometimes you've got um, units that are fully capacitated, as is the case in Lumbopo. And um, when the, those units are fully capacitated, it means that there are people there who are charged with the responsibility on a daily basis to do the work that they sometimes do uh, hand over to the consultants. Mm. A good use of consultants would be the case of Machabing in the free state. They decided to say, let's invest in hiring a CFO let's invest in hiring people in the finance unit and then let us prepare our own financial statements. But to prepare your own financial statements, you've got to do those basic uh, disciplines that I spoke to. Keep your records for all your transactions, do reconciliations on a regular basis, collate this information quarterly, and it puts you in a good position to prepare financial statements for the year and you aggregate it with ease. So my Chabing is an example that did that and they were able to save... 8 million use of consultants. Mm. So that's the encouraging responsible use of consultants. Another case in point of responsible use of consultants would be in the Western Cape. They prepare the financial statements themselves because they understand that having a CFO in the finance unit means that these individuals who draw a salary must do their daily tasks. Then in areas where they're complex, because yes, there's complexities in local government, then in those areas that are complex, they use the consultants to review this work and help them augment their skills. So that's the use of consultants that we advocate for. We are seeing too many instances where they are hired at your end, there is inappropriate documentation, they are not well supervised, and then they have to come and try and create miracles right at the year end and prepare financial statements merely for the auditors, not for decision-making. When you look at Gauteng, and of course, you spoke about Swani there, that they are at the brink of a dis, uh, disclaimer. They were an adverse finding. Uh, what, what are the issues there? And just perhaps even go into metros where you're having big budgets. What do you find to be the issue there? So let me start by giving over all the outcomes of the metro. So there's eight metropolitan municipalities in the country. Mm. Two of the metros have achieved keen audits. That's the city of Cape Town and the city of Ekurileni. Ekurileni must be commended for having sustained the team audit. Um, then we have three metros that have uh, qualifications, sorry, that are unqualified with findings. We have two that are qualified with findings. And the one that is qualified with a regression is Mangawung. And then you've got the city of, um, so you've got Nelson Mandela Bay and uh, the city of Johannesburg and uh, uh, Buffalo City sitting in unqualified findings. Mm. And then we've got adverse uh, being the city of Tony. Metro's uh, control a sizable of the budget. Mm. 
they take along with the metropolitan, um, I mean, um, municipal entities in certain instances when they, they are part of the budget, they can take about 50-something percent of the local government budget. And we, they service over 72% of the, uh, of the population. And what they most often have access to the financial muscle to recruit the right caliber of individuals. Let's take the three housing metros that are situated in, in the economic hub of the country. They have access to the right skills, the competent professionals. If for the finance unit, they have no shortages of engineers to be located into the technical unit so that they can deliver services. Notwithstanding that, we are not seeing the right level of performance for these metropolitan municipalities. They need to role model what it is like to run institutions of that size so that the other um, municipalities, such such like the intermediate cities, can follow. In the city of Tuane, the main thing that they've grappled with, which over years we have highlighted, well, the adverse by, by implication is that we could not rely on those financial uh, financial statements, mm. the council couldn't rely on them for decision making. Neither could they rely on them for performance of their oversight responsibility. And most of the items would have had errors, and that is what then prevented us for, as the auditors from being able to express an opinion other than an adverse one. Mm. Which is why I say very often the nature of the disclaimer and the adverse is almost similar. They're both undesirable and need to be dealt with with a certain uh, uh, requisite level of urgency. So the, that is Twine's story. But for years, they have struggled with the financial statements. Regrettably, you have seen the tragic incident that has been in the media over the past couple of days. They ha- are struggling with the infrastructure maintenance. There's a deterioration of the um, wastewater treatment plant. And so Twine has got their hands full with having to attend to getting out of this adverse situation. Mm. Their finances have also been constrained and there will be a report that we're going to issue that details more insights on the metropolitan municipalities particularly. But for now, there's a lot of rich insights that are contained into the GR that would serve as a reference point for further insights in that area. Yeah. I hope I've And I wonder if you may easily have this information handy. The Bulukwani municipality, because I know in the past they've even challenged some parts of the outcomes. If if I wonder if you have that information handy as to what has been the their their performance and if there are issues there um, that may still need to be engaged with. Sorry, uh, are you saying general, they could have been, I know there's audit contestations, we call them disputes. Yes. And we, we allow our, we set up a dispute resolution mechanism where we believe that our auditees uh, need to be able to own the outcome. Mm. Because with the outcomes comes recommendations of where we believe things have gone wrong when we do a root cause analysis. Mm. And then we make recommendations. So it's going to be important that once we've issued an audit opinion, we've issued a management report, a report coupled with the recommendations, that there's ownership by the accounting officer and those that are managing the different units where we've identified gaps mm. so that they can implement the recommendations and we can see a data showing in the next year that we audit. So once there's a disagreement, it really hampers the ability for that to happen. And we know that as auditors, we can give our best, but we may not always be right. 
So we set up a dispute resolution mechanism that allows all auditees that we are auditing to have an opportunity to be heard if they feel that the way that the audit has been run, concluded on, is not appropriate. And that, um, this, that dispute resolution mechanism has got systems internally in the organization with the head of audit being the last line of defense to allow independent leaders to look through that process and confirm the accuracy. We would also engage the provincial treasury, who are the owners of, uh, of the standards. We audit against those standards, and we even go so far as to even consult with national treasury, but we then, as the Auditor General's Office, make the final determination. So any such disputes from the province, um, if they're underway, will find their way maybe to my desk, um, but we do take the issue of um, allowing the auditees to have their say very seriously. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was I was checking if you handy have um, a comment on Polukwani, Polukwani municipality, because uh, I know in the past that there, there was an engagement. But but if it's not information you have handy, that's that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Let me say I'll revert back to you on that. Okay, time. that's 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 fine. So I want to ask you about. Um, what the Auditor General is saying about the state of uh, service delivery in local government. It's deteriorating, she says. So what we've said around service delivery is that over, it's one of the elements that we audit. And over the years, we have um, made, we've, uh, made a call for the service delivery uh, aspects to be attended to. But we have seen that it is neglected. It is not getting the requisite level of prioritization. We say that evidenced by the fact that from a planning, budgeting, monitoring, and reporting point of view, the system of government is not working. Council is not supervising and making the decisions on the delivery of the, uh, of, of the promises made to the citizens. We've gone so far, as Auditor General indicated, out of our offices, to observe over 209 projects, to see the state of the condition of those projects and understand the manner in which they are delivered. And we've seen gaps. So project management is not um, at, at, at its ID level. Um, project supervision is not at its ID level. Budgeting for those is not at the level that it ought to be. Planning is not happening properly. But there is proper mechanisms in terms of defining how government must plan. We went to public participation processes. We've looked at the budgeting processes, the IDP, and we've seen instances where, Ndamula, key mm. service delivery targets are not included in plans. Mm. If those are not included in the plan, there's no prospect of being delivered. Water and sanitation, energy and electricity, housing and community facilities. So it is the wishes of the community through the public participation process. It then gets omitted from the uh, annual plan Mm. and the community then sits back waiting for this to be delivered. We've seen evidence that it doesn't get included, then will not be monitored, neither will it be budgeted for and prioritized. And so we are seeing there's little investment in wastewater treatment plants infrastructure. And you are seeing that in the huge water losses, electricity losses, pipe bursts, effluent running into the streets, the potholes. And that is the impact of poor reporting, poor planning, poor monitoring.
on service delivery. Mm. So our call to action in this area, there is a responsibility for the administration to attend to the uh, defined norms and standards on how to deliver services. Mm -hmm. There is a role for the council to make sure that they hold the administration accountable for delivering the services that those communities Mm -hmm. have been promised. Mm -hmm. They must manage the budget appropriately, scarce resources, so money must be used optimally. They must account back to the citizens. The citizens are part of the accountability ecosystem. They too must make sure that government is delivering on the promises made And then there is the role for the MEC of local government. They have an opportunity to support municipalities who cannot plan better, who cannot budget better, and who do not know how to account for service delivery. We're also going to issue a report on what it looks like in the keen audit space and how they are faring. What I can just say is that they've shown us that they are better equipped to deliver service delivery. They are more responsive. They deliver projects better, not perfect, but they respond better. They've got complaints management processes. So if there's a water leak, they come in quicker. Mm. So there's the extreme spectrum. Keen audit auditees have shown that they're doing this better. The majority struggle. The disclaimer is where the most harm is taking place. Mm. All right. And I'll report details that more. Okay, so we'll we'll have an, an opportunity to go into some of these and and uh, detail that as well. Uh, but in terms of the solutions that the Auditor General is offering, or even recommendations that you're making to say we need to do one, two, three to get out of the current situation. All right. So we we have said the three main things: mm. inadequate skills and capacity, governance failures lack of accountability and consequence management. We've put a call to action for all the role players in the accountability ecosystem. We said the local government sphere has shown that they cannot do this alone. So they need to be supported by the other role players that I've spoken about. So the, the quick thing is professionalize local government. We've seen that there's a framework that is going to be, um, in, that has been approved by cabinet that must be implemented. Fill vacancies. When you fill vacancies, supervise these people, contract with them in terms of performance management, capacitate them, and make sure that they are fit for purpose to do their jobs. Then reduce the over-reliance on consultants, be it in the infrastructure unit, in the finance unit, but build institutions with suitably skilled individuals who've got the right uh, ethical culture and the citizen-centric nature. Get the coordinating institutions, local government of of COGTA, SALGA, Treasury, to collaborate and help those who have shown they cannot do it on their own. Then there's governance structures in the council. Mm. Um, You've got the impacts. You've got the disciplinary boards. Get those to function effectively so that they can support. There's internal audit units. There's audit committees. Get them to function and give them the support and attention to their recommendations as we sometimes enjoy the same level of cooperation. Stabilize council. We've seen this instability that is happening with council. It disrupts the administration, it weakens the institution, and it puts government at a disadvantage to deliver services. Arrest URSW because all money should be used prudently to deliver to the um, to the needs of the communities. And we've seen that there's a culture of where there's wrongdoing in the way procurement happens the consequence management is slow. So that must be attended to with the requisite speed. But for purposes of our audit, financial statements must be prepared at the right level of quality. 
service delivery reporting must be prepared at the right level of um, quality mm. to inform decisions on how services are being delivered. And then controls must be built into these institutions, preventative controls, so that errors, breaches, gaps are detected and corrected swiftly. And I think by working together, which was our call to action, which is everybody who's got a role to play, must work together, leverage all their strengths, so that we can build a resilient, responsive, and capable local government sphere. That would be what I think in a nutshell should be the recommendations around changing this um, tide of uh, deterioration in local government. Right. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.